Welcome to All Things Financial Management, an ASMC podcast sponsored by GuideHouse, where we discuss all things under the auspices of the Comptroller's Office and address top-of-mind issues in the financial management community. Good morning. My name is Tom Rhodes. I'm a partner with GuideHouse, where I work with clients across the DoD to transform and optimize their finance functions. I'm thrilled to be hosting this episode of the ASMC All Things Financial Management podcast. For those of you who may be new to this podcast series, let me take just a moment to provide some background on the American Society of Military Comptrollers, or ASMC. ASMC is the nonprofit educational and professional organization for persons, military and civilian, involved in the overall field of military comptrollership. ASMC promotes the education and training of its members and supports the development and advancement of the profession of military comptrollership. The Society provides professional programs to keep members abreast of current issues and encourages the exchange of information, techniques, and approaches. With that background, I'm happy to announce that with me today, I have Ms. Mabola Kadiri. Ms. Kadiri is the Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Navy Financial Operations, or the DASNFO. As DASNFO, Ms. Kadiri is responsible for the Department of the Navy's accounting and financial management matters. Her primary responsibility is developing and implementing department-wide accounting and finance policies and procedures, which also support Department of Defense initiatives in these areas. It's natural, then, that much of her attention is on the Navy's annual full financial statement audit and remediation efforts. Prior to her current assignment, Ms. Kaderi was the Director of Financial Improvement and Audit Remediation, or the FIRE Director, within the Office of the Undersecretary of Defense Comptroller. She served in that role from May 2012 until becoming the DASNFO. Ms. Kaderi has also supported the federal government as an auditor and a consultant with two major accounting firms. Good afternoon, Ms. Kaderi, and thanks for joining us today. Good afternoon, Tom. Good to be here and glad to have an opportunity to talk to you on this forum. Great, thank you. And we're glad that you're here with us. Ms. Kadiri, the depth and breadth of your experience working in the private sector and then serving in the federal government as the fire director have surely prepared you for now serving as the DASNFO at the Navy. Can you share with us your professional journey and how those experiences have prepared you for your current role? Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It sounds good when you say it. It's prepared me, but I'm <laughs> the challenges within the DOD and specifically within the Navy. I think the experience is the best teacher. But but with that said, you are right because I will say the journey of even learning about financial federal government financials as a whole is one that I remember when I was in college, it wasn't even taught. So it was something I had to learn outside. We learned the regular private sector accounting and audits, but nothing necessarily about federal accounting and how cash, it's one balance with treasury. That was not that teaching in college. So so for me, it was a very interesting thing to get out of college. And then your first client is a federal government client. And I was learning something different. And I will tell you, I started from an audit standpoint, I started with PricewaterhouseCoopers. And, uh, and I just remember being an associate and the ticking in time, the first, you know, kind of the first elements of things you get taught and the rationale for why you do what you do. And those things, I'm not sure that I really appreciated while I was there, but as you mature in, especially the audit accounting field, you start to understand 
how foundational and how um, those things really help you from a technical standpoint to prepare you for a career within the government. And then I did the audits within PricewaterhouseCoopers, and then I left and I went to Deloitte. And when I got to Deloitte, I had a mixture of clients. I had one where I audited, and then the other was more consulting. And I tell you, the transition from, from the audit to consulting world was a little bit challenging for me because mm-hmm. I was used to going in as the auditor. You know what good looks like. And when it doesn't look good, you know exactly what to say. And you know how to write yeah. the report and things like that. Well, you get on the consulting side and it's, sure, it doesn't look good, but what are you going to do about it? And so that transition was one that was a little bit challenging for me at first because I was used to saying what wasn't good. But I think the harder piece of it is how do you fix it? I think my responsibility and opportunity within Deloitte helped me navigate that. And that's how I got a step into the Department of Defense because I had a client within the Navy at the time. And my goal was to help them get there, to remediate some of the finance that we had at the time. And a lot of those back then was really, it was around supply operations and things like that. So I transitioned from there, got a step into the Navy, and I liked the idea of being exactly with a client where the action was going on. This was fixing, and we could roll up sleeves and we could do some of that. So I found that really interesting. And with that, I think that guided my career into wanting to be part of the government, wanting to serve, wanting to be part of the solution. And I tell you, that move into joining the government has been quite an experience. Everything is about perspective. When I was a consultant, there was always, why does it take so long? Why did it do this? Why, why do we keep pushing papers and it takes a long time and all of this bureaucratic stuff that at the time, I thought that was all it was. So for me, it was really about getting in there and pushing hard and getting things done. And I've had quite an experience doing that, having a better perspective on why things take longer than they should. And that's not to say today they're not things that could be done faster than we do them today. But there is a lot to learn. I've learned quite a lot from that perspective of joining and better understanding that what we're trying to fix are not issues that occurred last year or the year before. These are issues that are way over the years, 20 years. We've done something the same way for over 20 years. And so to undo that, to have people thinking a little bit differently, to have people think beyond the silo that they're in. I'm an accountant. Is there something I need to know about operations? And maybe there is. And, and as you mature, you understand there is. And so that breadth of knowledge that I've gained within the department, within the federal government industry, and specifically within my experience at OSD, that gave me the view of seeing the whole department, not just Army, Navy, and Air Force, but also the fourth estate. Understanding the challenges with even just the flow of money and how we're executing and how we make sure we keep records of those things. The experience has been nothing but uh, but invaluable, to be honest with you. And now having to make this transition into my new position, during a pandemic, I tell you, it's been one of those things where you have to make the best of the experience. Challenging, but at the same time, it's given you a different sense of appreciation for the type of people that you work with. And I will tell you, I mean, with the Navy, I want to say close to about nine months now, I think I'm going on nine. The time is flying. I'm enjoying every moment here and all of those experiences that I've 
gathered over the years is helping me do this job. And I'm excited to be part of the Navy, making changes within the Navy. But I tell you, this is not just a financial exercise. This is a everybody. This is an all-ends-on-deck um, type of offer. And we've seen some movement in a positive area within the Navy. We'll continue to push, but I'm glad that my career has brought me here. You know, it's interesting. I enjoyed when you started with coming out of school and joining PwC as an auditor and not having that experience with fund balance with Treasury and other things associated with federal accounting. I had the same experience in you know, my background. I came into audit and specifically with the federal government, and we had no federal accounting courses in college. You know, we had fund accounting mm-hmm. and, and the rather commercial, but that was a brand new experience, like to get used to yep. fund balance with Treasury and some of the other issues <laughs> in, in the government. It was fun to reminisce on that as you were talking about that. The other thing I suspect, though, that audit background probably gave you good insights when you're working with the IG and others over at OSD Fire with the consolidated audit strategy and approach and how you could help the department accelerate towards its goal towards a clean audit opinion. Ms. Kadir, you mentioned the pandemic, and we've seen a lot of changes over the last year because of the, of the COVID-19 pandemic. What do you see as the lasting impact of COVID on the financial management workforce beyond just increased telework? Thanks for that question. I'm telling you, it is an interesting time. We never saw, nobody saw this coming. And I think if there was anything that I learned from all of this experience, it's really about we all had to pause because this was something bigger than all of us. This was bigger than work. This was bigger than the audit. I mean, there were people that lost family members and loved ones during this pandemic. And so my heart goes out to them. I think from a work perspective, as we talk through increased telework, to be honest with you, I think one of the biggest things this has taught us is really to focus on the important things, important things such as family, friends, things that really matter. Work does matter. The mission we support matter. But I think, how are we taking care of our folks? And this is where I think the COVID has allowed us to really focus. So from from my perspective, uh, my position has really been being more supportive of my staff, being more flexible. As I said, I transitioned into this position during the pandemic. And so I think a lot of what I had to do was trust people that I didn't know, that I, in some cases, had never seen to get me what I needed to get my job done. And I'm so thankful for the Navy staff. Support has been immeasurable, just the support to ensure that I got what I needed to ensure that I was also there, being able to listen and learn and all of the things they taught me during this time. So to me, as I talk about what's the impact, from a work perspective, I tell you, I work with people that are really, really amazing folks because I mean, we talk about the pandemic, I talk about people losing lives and all of these changes that we all had to make, but that did not stop the audit. I had people working through, people talk about this play of just being agile and being flexible. And I saw my team respond to auditors. The audit team was flexible. And that's what I think we need. I think even sustaining this, even after the pandemic, is people being open one, to be innovative, to figure out better ways to do things, as we've done with the audit and the PBCs that the auditors give us and how to get it to them and how to do walkthroughs virtually and all of these things. One is just continue to be flexible, too. Continue to be kind to each other. It's been a difficult year, last year, this year. It's difficult. And so being flexible, adaptable, continue to be kind to each other. I'm definitely in support of 
telework and being more flexible with my team. The other thing I would tell you is building on the trust that this is forced on us. A lot of times people are like, well, I don't really know them, so I don't trust them. Well, guess what? With this one, I've had to do that. You trust them. They have to trust in me to represent their needs as their leader and me trusting that they're equipping me with everything that I need to be able to do my job. The other thing I tell you is this has really shown just the human aspect of us. I mean, I've been on calls where I hear dogs barking and it's okay. I tell, don't stop it. It's fine. That's just the environment we're in right now. And it's okay. I've heard people's kids, people have probably heard mine. Literally, I think I was on a call a month or two ago and it was a large call. And this gentleman probably didn't know he was not on mute, but I'm telling you, we all walk through homework. Right. 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 Yeah, we cut up the line eventually. But those are things that I'm not going to try to find that person and fault that person. Because again, we're humans at the end of the day, we've been dumped now with additional responsibility. And so that little break you had when your kids went to school, when your mother was somewhere and you didn't have to take care of of somebody elderly. I mean, we're all dealing with all of this thing. So when we talk about the workforce and the changes, for me, again, the mission for us hasn't stopped. It's about how we support our people. And so for me, the way forward is really being more innovative, building on the things that we've learned during the COVID pandemic, and also continuing to build that agile, flexible workforce and a leadership team that actually listens and is willing to work with the team. And so I think that's kind of where I see this going. And I want to give a shout out to our auditors, because to be honest with you, they've been very flexible. They've also been agile. And and I think that's really important in this environment. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we've had the same experience during this uh, pandemic. You know, we have phone calls where kids will sit on parents' laps during the phone call, and we just yeah. call them our little interns. And uh, it doesn't affect the it doesn't affect the quality. It doesn't affect the productivity. It's been a change, and we've all adapted and moved forward to it. And I really like the fact that you hit on that. It all comes down to and taking care of people, those that matter yep. to you and your own people, because in any organization, it's about people, the people you work with, and the stakeholders you serve. So that's a it's a neat lesson learned coming out of the pandemic. Speaking of the importance of your people. What efforts are underway to invest in the financial management workforce at the Navy? So as we talk about the workforce, I think I emphasized earlier, you know, in both questions you asked me prior, just talking about our people being our greatest asset. With that being said, I'm also very aware of the changes that people have had to go through the past couple of years as we embark on the audit journey. So we're talking about big changes here, cultural changes. And those are the things that, from my perspective, you can't measure quantitatively. But at the same time, the progress we're making speaks to that. We are developing now a culture with accountability, a culture that's aware of the accounting that should go with how we support our troops. And then we're starting to see, hey, what is the benefit? What are those things that our people are of finding from doing some of this audit exercises. So within that, one of the things that I will tell you the Navy's focused on right now is really what is training. When you go on our Navy internal external website, there's a lot of training. However, I think we're getting to be more focused on 
is this the type of training that our folks need? I talk about cultural changes, but again, things that are driving the cultural changes are the key business process changes that we're making. We're improving our processes, we're trying to standardize. And so when you think about that, I talked about being innovative. So there are a lot of elements to this that we're looking at. So the work you did, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, probably should not be the work you're doing now or should be the same work, but maybe doing it in a smarter way. We're doing it differently. Yeah. Now we're operating with why, what's the objective of what I'm doing and trying to figure out smarter ways to do it, not necessarily working out people harder, but really being innovative and opening the doors to look at what we want to do or what we need to do to make things better. So with that said, we're focusing on training and saying we have a bunch of training, but is it the right training? How do we upscale our people? If I have people today that are doing manual reconciliations, copying and pasting things from an Excel file into a different file just so they could compare data sets, do I have a better way of doing that? And should somebody really be doing that? Or should I have a butt do that? and start to train my people rather than taking Excel training, training them in data analysis. So the, the goal is looking at the workforce as a whole and identifying the gaps that we may have from a skill set standpoint, and then targeting training for our folks in those areas. And so as we do that, we have to make sure that, again, we look at the type of work then that we want them to start doing either to begin doing or to complement what it is that they're doing right now. So one is training and upskilling the workforce so that as we transition into this whole cultural change that we're making, that our workforce is transitioning with us, that we're bringing people along with us. The other thing we're doing now is a mentorship program within the Navy, every, at least the SMNC, every senior executive has something in their performance evaluation that has to do with mentoring somebody. And that for us is really thinking about succession training. As you mentor people, what are their strengths? What do you see, even if you're not mentoring them, even as a leader, what do you see as their strengths? What do you think you can help them build? How are we giving the mentorship and exposure to our folks? In private industry, I remember then, it was just part of the job. Unfortunately, within the government, it was not always that way. So sometimes you have talent, and we lose talent to that because then you have people that are part of the team. They want to do their best work, but then they don't get the opportunity. And so this mentoring aspect of it, I think, would help to do some of that. So we're really focusing on leadership being mentors to folks to help them grow and also how that may help with our succession training and how we're training and positioning our people for success. The other thing that I recently started, this goes back to just looking at diversity. Diversity from a workforce standpoint, from a skill set standpoint. So, for example, I deal with financial operations. Does that mean the only people I hire are budget analysts or accounting? No. But years ago, maybe somebody would have thought that was all we needed. But today, again, we're expanding that. That's not the only people we need. We need IT folks. We need data analytics folks. We need statisticians, for example, to look at our sampling and what we do internally. So there's a broad set of things here that I think is needed from a workforce standpoint to help us continue to groom our next set of leaders. One of the things I recently started within the Navy is a forum called WINFO, and this is Women in Financial Operations. And this is really just a space for if there are certain things that are challenges that women have, just being able to talk about that and see how our workforce is being open 
to accepting certain things. And even though Sage Women is open to all to help us as leaders, whether male, female, be more sensitive to some of the needs, whether that's from a gender standpoint, whether that is from a religious standpoint, I mean, whatever it is, to just help us be a more inclusive organization. I think that's wonderful. I think it's important for people to have a, a forum or a platform where they can share and share in a feeling of trust, but also to see the world through different lenses. You know, out of those uh, discussions comes greater collaboration, greater ideas, and greater productivity for the team. Definitely. A lot of work to be done, but we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. I love the concept that you talked about with respect to mentoring. You know, I'd read a study that said for people, um, especially early careerists, to have a, a long and productive career where they can stay at their organization, mentoring was the number one factor in helping people to have a long-term career and feel that they're contributing and being productive. So I, th- I think that's great as well. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Ms. Kadir, I suspect, you know, we're in the heat of the, uh, um, the financial statement audit, and as this probably has your full or most of your attention these days, do you feel there are some benefits that the Navy's getting from the audit? Actually, the department as a whole is getting, I think, more than maybe people bargained, to be honest with you. I remember when I was at OSD and we pulled together the audit strategy, I remember going into people's offices from a functional standpoint, so maybe logistics, for example, and just preaching and talking about what the audit was. And it was just like, what? I mean, people wanted to accept it, but people didn't really know what it was. And then you're telling me this because. So when you think about that and we think about where we are now and we think about people, maybe people may not be exact advocates of the audit, but even people outside the financial community that are talking about how this is helpful. So when we talk about are there any benefits? Yes, there are benefits for sure. One is, like I said, um, just changing the culture. The audit has become a catalyst to making those changes that we've always said, hey, we've done it that way for 20 years and we've never challenged it. So that's one. From a culture standpoint, it's pushing people to be a little bit uncomfortable to do some of those things they would normally do or they hadn't done before. Again, as we talk about accountability and accounting and understanding the difference and understanding how accountability builds the foundation for our accounting. And so once you start talking accountability and you start talking about operations, you start to get the interest of people. So, for example, if we think about inventory, you know, things that the warfighters need, we want to be an agile organization where we get things to them when they need it at the point that they need it. In order to do that, you have to know where your things are. You have to know where the, the inventory is. You have to know the movement of the inventory. You have to be able to track them. You have to understand the ads and deletes that comes within the system. There are a lot of decisions that are being made based on what we have in the system. And so my thought is, if you don't know what you have in the system, or if whatever it is you have in the system is inaccurate, how do you truly support the warfighter the best way possible? And so we've seen values in this. One of the things the Navy did was did a 100% real property count building that we have in the system where we've noted them as being usable, and then we get there and they're not. And so when people make BRAC decisions, for example, based on information in that system, that's not accurate, that, that has nothing to do with accounting. That has to do with our operations and how effective and how agile we are. And so what the audit has done is helped us see some of this. I think when we first started, obviously we tried to get the audit gospel out there and talk about it and make people understand that it wasn't just about financial management. However, 
I think the biggest thing here is once you start to see that, seeing is believing, I can tell you all I want. But mm-hmm. once you start to see the value and how it ties to operations, then you're a believer. Now, I still have to deal with all the accounting, but you understand how it aligns with reforming our business, with making sure that we get things to our warfighters, that we support the mission. So I think when we start to talk about benefits, those are some of the benefits. I mean, there was an NMAC operation within the Navy, which was the concept was pretty simple. I go to every base, I open every door, I find out what I have, and I get it in the system. And in some cases, we found parts of aircraft that we no longer fly. And guess what we were doing? We were paying for storage space, and yet uh-huh. there was no aircraft that was going to use those things. So what did that do? It freed up space. We got to get rid of the stuff. And then we also got to make no, no other investment in that area. So there's a lot of cost avoidance um, yeah. that comes with the audit. But I think, to be honest with you, the biggest value is really in this journey. People look at audit sometimes as, oh, the value is in the opinion. I want the opinion. We want the opinion. Mm-hmm. However, I think the journey to get us there is even more critical because now you're building an environment that will be sustainable. We're making changes. We're questioning things. We're doing things better. So that by the time we get to the opinion, which is that it then becomes the byproduct of just the changes we've made, that we have an environment where we can now sustain. So the value, again, spans beyond an audit opinion, beyond financial. It really is in making sure that we support the mission by reforming how we do things so that there's a lot more value. Our dollar stretches much further than it does today. And I think that's yeah. the value is really the journey. Yeah, I think it's neat. I remember when the journey first started, there might have been more of a compliance mindset. Well, the law says we have to undergo an audit, so that's what we have to do. Yep. But I rank I think that as part of the journey, like you mentioned, operational folks now, not just FM folks, are starting to see the value of like being able to trust data in their systems and being able to get timely, accurate information to make decisions, and particularly that support the warfighter. So I agree with you. I think the value has been in the journey, and it's been really neat to see the culture change from compliance to seeing value. Definitely. Definitely. Well, speaking of the audit, you've made tremendous progress over the last two years. You know, you've closed and downgraded five material weaknesses. You're on track to migrate the legacy working capital fund systems to Navy ERP this year. What do you attribute to the Navy's success and what will you do to continue to make progress? First of all, I have to say I work with the most talented people. I mean, people within the Navy are amazing. Like I said, I made this transition during COVID and this just goes to show you the caliber of people that I work for. So all of the success, to be honest with you, when I think about the workforce, it's really through the people. The people starting from people at the field level all the way to the tone. The tone is critical. Leadership support, commitment to this. Secretary Harker, it's been amazing in just giving us support and making sure we have top cover as we work this through. So just starting from the tone at the top, the commitment we have, I couldn't trade that for anything because we could do what we can at my level, at the field level, and if it doesn't get the support it needs, it wouldn't go anywhere. So thankful for that. So that's one thing the Navy has. The other is governance, the governance structure that's being put in place to make sure that we drive oversight is another thing. And that's one of the reasons why the Navy continues to move the needle. We hold each other accountable. Ms. Jenkins has a saying, she says, I'm going to try my own dog food. We put it out there for people. We better be eating it. 
And mm-hmm. that's the mentality within the Navy. So the governance matters. We are consistently have an audit committee meetings where we invite everyone. We go through areas where we need help, areas where we don't, and we just need more time and really have those frank discussions and conversations to help move things forward. The other thing I will say is really the collaboration within the department as a whole, being open and working very closely with the IPAs. They are partners in this. I'm very thankful to their approach to looking at things because, again, they have an independence that they need to comply with, independence standard. And even while they do that, they still being, I would say, good partner with us in helping us move forward and providing us and giving us those areas that we need to really focus on. So that's been great. The other thing I will say is embracing technology. I think right now we have a center of excellence from a data perspective that we've put in place, similar to what OSC had when they start to talk about Advana, Navy has Jupiter, and we've been working closely with the OSD team as well. And I think the ability for us to have a, a data team within the Navy is definitely been helpful. The ability to have that and being able to go back and look at what type of work, leveraging artificial intelligence and things like that, what kind of work do we want our people to do and what type of work do we have for the bots to do? for us to really be able to embrace that. And then two other things I will say is um, the healthy constructive pressure we get from Congress. I mean, we do a hearing at least on a yearly basis and meet with the staff even more often. And that in itself is given the healthy dose of pressure that we need in order to continue so that people understand that this is here to stay. It's not a temporary thing. And that pressure, I think, keeps us going. Transparency is one that we continue to drive and we're looking to ways to incentivize that thinking about embracing the red. It's red. We know it's red. We know we want to be at the green, but let's embrace it and let's have people be able to have frank conversations about what we need to move from that red to green and identifying and incentivizing people that bring that up, but also bring that up with a plan to fix, to make sure that we're moving the needle. Well, Ms. Kadiri, as an FM leader in DOD, what perspectives would you share with new careerists joining the DOD FM workforce? If I go back to the new Mobola that was joining DOD, not knowing what I know today, that was one thing I would say is, I think it would be just to believe in yourself, to believe in yourself and to take risks. And I think throughout my career, that's been one that I've lived by. And that doesn't mean all the time, 100% of the time, we're confident about everything we do. But really, your career starts with you. It starts with your vision, what you want. And, and being able to articulate that, being able to have a plan, believing in yourself, because if you don't, nobody else will. Now you believe in yourself, you combine that with listening, learning, finding the right mentor, and then you're well on your way. But I think if there was one thing I would say to people who are just joining the department is believe in yourself and, and be very open-minded. I think we've been closed-minded for a long time within the department. We've been in our own silos for the longest time. And I think we're starting to see that if we just open up just a little more, just a little more, and you have to have that belief in yourself to go out there and preach whatever gospel it is that you need to get people on your side. But if you don't believe it, nobody else will. And so whether you're just starting out, whether you're a senior executive somewhere, you're going to be put in those situations, whether you like it or not, where you're learning something as you're going. So you may not be 
as confident, but the bottom line is you have to believe in you. And if you do, then somebody else will buy it. And then, and I think that's where it starts from. Your career starts with you believing in what you want and being able to go for it. Yeah, I think it's interesting too that, you know, most people who have been in their career for a while, if you ask them what keeps them there, typically the answers are, you know, I enjoy the people I work with and I love the challenging work. And at this point in time, it seems like within the FM community at the Department of Defense and particularly in the Navy, it's so dynamic and that there's so much transformation and change as we're moving into cloud-based environments, RPA and AI and other neat things that a new career is good to just have just flourish in this environment and have just a great career. Yeah, for sure. So we'll wrap up, Ms. Kideri, with one last question. What is one of the most interesting experiences you have had in your financial management career? While I was at OSD, of course, I said earlier that we typically have parents and visits with some of the staffers to talk about the audit, making sure that we're moving the needle and understanding any concerns and things like that. So part of my job became prepping for the hearings. I went from just accounting to the public affairs. What, what do they say? What do we say? How do we say? Let's make sure validating things and making sure that we provide it to the boss what was needed. Mr. Norquist, if you're hearing this, thank you for that opportunity. I will forever remember you and Ms. McCusker and Mr. Easton for giving me this opportunity. But Mr. Norquist, he had to prep for hearing. However, because of his busy schedule, being the deputy secretary at the time, he had some travel plans. And the question then was brought forward about how we would get him prepped. And I was requested to go with him and to prep him. And so I thought, oh, yeah, sure I would. And then it was a cliff experience because then we got to Anderson Air Force Base and then we had the private plane. And it was just surreal. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And so I got on there and it was a few people and they had breakfast already made and it, it just felt really, really nice. And I was like, off of this, just to prep him, I could do this every day. If this was, if any, <laughs> I'd love to prep him all the time. If I got to do that with him and he was so busy and I got to just be part of his entourage for the day. And then also within that process, when he got back on, when we were done with the visit, we continued to prep for the heron. And I think that was a great experience for me. And I said, I don't know how I'd be able to go back and fly in Southwest or America. That was a great experience. So if you're hearing me, Mr. Norquist, it's still hard. I, it's still really hard to do that. I don't know if he's, you know, if he's transitioned yet to doing that. But I'm thankful for that opportunity be worth the long hours. It was just kind of a nice touch of my experience working at, at OSD with all the hearing prep. So that was that was great experience. I think you're the only person I know I've ever met who's got to fly in a private jet. So <laughs> that was awesome. What can I say? Let's recruit some more accountants over here. <laughs> when you think consulting and you think all this big thing, that's when you think the big private yes. stuff and then little old Mobola here. And I was on there and I was like, oh, this is pretty neat. So something to look forward to, to aspire to. But it was great experience. Yeah. Sounds like a great recruiting message to me. So good luck. That's with that. right. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you for your time today, Ms. Kaderi. And thanks to all of you listening. We want to ensure this podcast is relevant, timely, for all our listeners. So please feel free to reach out to us with your feedback or suggestions or, or even specific topics you'd like us to address. Thank you for tuning in to All Things Financial Management, an ASMC podcast series sponsored by GuideHouse. 
You can find all our episodes on ASMC's Engage platform and at our website, guidehouse.com, all things financial management.